Welcome to July's podcast. There's loads of great stuff coming up. I hope you enjoy. We didn't manage to have a podcast in June, so sorry about that. We just didn't have the best content, so I thought we'd wait until we did. This month, new PCC member Mark Scotter talks about who he is and his hopes for his new role. Andrea gives an update on the great stuff the Family Works is doing. Mick and Jane share some stories of persecuted Christians and help us pray for them. And there's some great music by Phil and some young people from a service a few weeks ago. We also have a little overview of a week at St. John's, so you know what's going on and there's some things you might be able to get involved with. But first up, have you ever wondered what the Trinity is? Well, here's Joy to explain a little bit about it. So Joy, what, when we talk about God, um, we often use the word the Trinity, but the Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible. So what is the Trinity? Nice, easy question to begin with, James. So thank you for that. Well, the Trinity, so the three persons of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's a concept that is really hard to get our heads around. The idea that the person of God is three separate identities in the Godhead, the the one God that we worship and I know uh, I used to live next door to a lovely Muslim lady and she was so supremely confused by the idea that we worshipped one God but there were three parts of God it it totally confused her and I did my best to try and explain how we understand that so I think one of the first things I would want to say is I'm a massive respecter of former Archbishop of Canterbury and theologian Rowan Williams and Rowan Williams talks a lot about what we have to do with religious language when the things we're trying to talk about and express about God go beyond the capacity of our human understanding because there's a limit to what we're able to do with our words at that point. So I remember when I was a much younger Christian being taught the analogy of uh, God the Father, God the Son and the God, God the Holy Spirit being a bit like water that can be both water coming out of your tap, ice and steam. And they're all the same substance, that they're, they're all made of H2O, but, but they work a little bit differently in each context. And Uh, When I was a younger Christian, when I was a teenager, that analogy really worked for me, but it doesn't necessarily go the whole way of helping us to really understand, understand how God can be three and one at the same time. So some of the language that I use to help me think about it now, um, one of the words is the Greek word perichoresis which uh, that, that word is what the word that we get, the word choreography from um, when we think about dancing. So this idea that the relationship between the Godhead, relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is a dynamic, moving relationship, a little bit like a dance, that they are interconnected on every level and always in perfect communion. Uh, I think it's really hard for us to get our heads around that, But um, one of the things that human beings massively long for is 
complete uninterrupted connection. Um, this is an aside, but I, I once heard that human beings are really only in complete connected communication around 11% of the time. The rest of the time, our, our behaviour habits, our, our misunderstandings of one another, our kind of communication misfires get in the way of that complete alignment and complete connection. But God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are in complete connection 100% of the time. It's like the perfect, uninterrupted, connected, flowing, functioning relationship, which is something that we can only begin to imagine. So that's one of the ways, this idea of this constant movement, this dance, this perfect connectedness, this interrelation, that's one of the ways that I try to understand the Trinity. And another way um, is through the image uh, of really famous image, Rublev's icon. And that's a picture, if, if you've seen it before, I'll try and describe it. It's a very ancient kind of Coptic icon uh, that shows God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit sitting round a table. And the table contains uh, bread and wine, but at the front of the table is a space. And the idea of that icon, which many people have used to help them in their worship over the years, is that that space at the front of the table is for us that we're invited in to that flow and that relationship of the Trinity. So uh, those two ways of thinking about the Trinity are, are ways that help me now to think about it a bit more clearly. But I am also okay in the knowledge that um, understanding the fullness of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit as three in one um, is a life's work and not something that I will fully understand until I meet God face to face. Well, there you go. Hopefully that cleared everything up for you. Next up, we've got Mark Scotter, who joined the PCC last month, and he was introduced to the church and told us a little bit about himself so that we could get to know him more. Here's Mark. Mark's going to come up, and we're going to have a little interview time with Mark. He's got some questions prepared. Well, I've prepared the questions, and he's got, he said, he's got some idea what he might say. Um which is great, so we can go with it. Um, this is Mark, and Mark is here because uh, he's just recently, haven't you, you can use this mic, um, just recently uh, joined the PCC, which is like the church council. So um, as a new PCC member, um, we wanted to check that you knew what you were about and that we could trust you. Um, but also because it's, a, it's an important role, which you can say more about. Um, and so it's important that we know the people who are, who are on the council. So um, apart from your name and that you're on the PCC, who are you and where are you from? So yes, I, hi, I'm Mark. Um, I'm originally from Hull. I came to Sheffield as a student 20 years ago now. Um, I never left. Um, I met my wife, Jo, who should be coming shortly. Um, and yeah, we got married here, and now we have two children who you'll see running around most weeks. Normally at the front, if there's anything to volunteer for, um, Benjamin and Lydia. And we've got a dog who's almost one now called Amber. Nice. Any, any other dog fans in the house? There we go. Maybe we should have a dog Sunday where we get to all bring our dogs, <laughs> and that would be great. Um, my daughter would love that as well. Every day pestering about getting a dog. Um, so about 20 years you've been in Sheffield and you've been yeah. in, in St John's all that, a lot of that time, so a good while anyway. Uh, 
No, actually, we've only been here since lockdown. Um, so we used to go to a church in the city centre called Christchurch Central, which was a, a plant from Christchurch Fullwood, which is where we used to go as students. Um, and probably when the children were little, we suddenly realised that all our lives were around Hillsborough, apart from on a Sunday morning, when we used to get in the car and drive three miles into town. And it really was during lockdown that really gave us that push to think, well, if our whole lives are in this community, why isn't our church life in this community too? And yeah, so during that time, that's when we kind of made the decision to explore and see what there was sort of closer to home. And nice. lo and behold, we, we arrived here. Good. And we're glad to have you. What do you love about this church? Um, it's hard to, so to, to, to pin down one thing, I suppose. Um, it, it's a great family atmosphere. I mean, the kids love to come. And now for me, that's one of the biggest things is that my children really want to come to church. And they do here. Um, I look out now and there's such a wide range of ages, experiences. Um, so I think no matter what your walking life is, there's someone there who can relate to you. Yeah, good. That's a good answer in the end. Yeah, no, nice. I like that. Um, <laughs> and what will you, sometimes we have this, don't we? What will you be doing at 10 o'clock tomorrow? So kind of what's your non-church life yeah. like? So I'm fortunate that most of the time I get to work from home. Um, so I will be sat in the corner of the, the dining room where I've got my office, probably staring vacantly out the window when I should be working. Um, but I'm a quantity surveyor, which basically means I look after the contract side of construction contracts, um, which sounds really boring, and a lot of the time it is. Um, but but yes, yeah, so I'll I'll be doing something relating to that tomorrow morning. Nice. I um I always think not not to be offensive, but I always think jobs like that sound boring. I'm glad that some of the people who do them think that as well. Um, you're just sitting still all day. I don't know how people manage sitting still all day. Um, so you're on the PCC here. As far as you know, there's not you're not really being tested. What um what do you think your role is going to be on the PCC? Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure. Um, so that's one reason for joining is to find out a bit more why. Um, I, the reason for joining in the first place was I was approached and asked if I'd like to be and I couldn't think of a reason not to be um, so I thought maybe no, that is God saying no, there's a reason for you being asked and you should be involved um, but yeah ultimately it's to be involved in church life and the decisions that the church make and hopefully be part of a team that can sort of move the church forward and make the right decisions that's best for everybody here yeah good that, that is that and they're great other great people there's there's quite a few there's about 15 is there I think there's Something six like new people so there's a few new people which we last week we got up and a few of you weren't here you have a little gift so you can get that in a bit, Rebecca. Uh, but there's, there's a few others as well but yeah there's, there's a quite a nice uh, quite a big group and they have um meetings to talk about church life and like you say yeah, think about the direction in the future and some of it's practical and some of it's a lot more spiritual so that was great and last question how can we pray for you and your family I suppose for the PCC it's um, that I, I understand what my role is um, for wisdom 
and for humility um, that we make the right decisions for the whole community. Um, I'm involved in the youth group, but yet I'd love everything to be perfect for the youth and we have fantastic trips and great times, but there's also lots of other people here and it's making decisions for everybody. Um, so yeah, it's, it's humility and wisdom, I think, mostly. Nice. Should we pray now? Is that okay? Yeah, great. Great. You can pray if you want as well. That would be lovely. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for, for Mark and thank you for his um, heart to be a part of this community in St. John's and in Hillsborough. Um, thank you for his family and thank you that his children love coming here. Um, we pray for him as his new role on the PCC. We pray for wisdom, as he says, and we pray for humility that he would, and the rest of the PCC would see the the things to do that are best for everybody and somehow we would draw together as a, as a community and as a church to, to be more like your, your kingdom here in, in this area. And then we pray tomorrow as well that he would, he would have a great day and really enjoy his job even if it's sunny outside and he's just looking out the window. Amen. As well as special events, there are loads of regular things that happen at St. John's. Mondays is two by two for preschoolers who can talk, kind of 18 months and older. It's at 10 o'clock in church and there's loads of fun and messy games for kids. Tuesday is baby group for parents and children under 18 months. There's a free breakfast, hot drinks, toys and chat from 10 till 11.30. You can speak to Beck about either of those. On Wednesday, everyone is welcome to join the staff team for morning prayer at 9.15. It's simple, but it's special. On Thursday, we've got food bank at Wing Gardens. Setup starts at 9 a.m. and food is given out from 11. Come and help set up. You get the poem and you get some cake and that's great fun. For more info, you can talk to me or Suzanne about that. And we have some things going on for our young people every week um, in our 10 o'clock service on a Sunday and Sunday evening at 7 o'clock. If you want to know more about that, then speak to Sophie. A few weeks ago, our focus at church was on persecution, which did have the potential to be a little bit of a downer. Malk did a great sermon, which you can check out on another podcast, um, and Mick and Jane led the prayers. They started by sharing something of their knowledge of persecuted Christians around the world. I was very quickly going to introduce you to three situations in which you can pray. And when we finish, we're going to have a short time of prayer where you can pray either on your own or with your neighbour or in a small group for these situations or any others that you happen to know about. First of all, Jane. Okay, um, the open doors, what we used to do a lot of work for, produce a world watch list of the top 50 countries. It does go beyond that, but the 50, top 50 are published. And the country that I'm going to just give you a very brief glimpse in is Nigeria, which is number six on that list. Half the population are Christian. Why the persecution? It's in the north and the central belt with militant Islam. Boko Haram is the main uh, group that is known. Um, and when Mal was talking about Stephen, in Nigeria it is killing. There are about 14 Christians a day killed for their faith in Nigeria. And in Nigeria, there are more Christians killed 
than in the rest of the world put together. Here's a very brief story of one person. <clears throat> we'll call him Ayuba. His father was killed. He ran away from home to escape. He went back. He found his name on the hit list of those to be killed. He went again. And somebody found him and took him to the um, trauma center that Open Doors had set up in Nigeria. He lost his need for revenge. He found peace, he found healing, and his faith was restored. So we need to pray for people like him, and we need to pray for those working in the trauma centers that they will have the strength and the wisdom for each individual. I'm moving to the other side of the world, to Colombia, and the story of two young ladies. First of all, Valentina. Valentina was brought up in a Christian family. She loved her parents. Her parents loved her, and she thoroughly enjoyed being at home and working in the community. Her father was a pastor, and he, in the area, set up a group called the Caucasus Indigenous Regional Council. And he got that council to build a school, a Christian school, and Christian outlets and Christian youth clubs, if you like, for the kids. The, the area was furious. And in time, they set up a revolutionary group to deal with, to put humanism at the center of it all. With the backlog of that, we will follow the rules of the rebels. Now, the rules of the rebels are quite simply, you kill people if they don't join you. And he realized his daughter, Valentina, who was 13, was very, very vulnerable, particularly as he was the pastor. He stayed for a while. But a couple of years later, he took Valentina away from home and took her into a, a children's center, miles away from home, where she has now been for two years, safe but protected. And equally at the same time, Inez was living at home with her parents, but she was exactly the opposite. She was a rebel. She hated home, she argued with the parents, she wanted nothing more than guns and ammunition and a uniform and a cell phone and the money that goes with the glory of the rebels. The rebels, of course, dealing with cocaine and the cocaine trade. She used to go out occasionally with them to meetings and her parents got very, very concerned. So they took her away from home and sent to her to the children's center, where she went. She's now two years ago, and this is what she says. I am now a very different person because they showed me Jesus. But she can't go home, and Valentina can only go home at Christmas because she's on the death list as well. Different pressures, different places. Uh, quickly moving to Iran, which is number eight on the World Watch list. There are about 86 million people in Iran. 
only just over a million are Christians. In Iran, very sort of mixed communities, the Assyrian Christians and the Armenian Christians are a recognized group. So they are the counted ones largely. But it's the persecution from those who have become converts from Islam. Um, they risk rejection from their families if it's found out. They risk losing their jobs, losing education, and particularly women, they will be divorced almost, well, almost certainly, but not, you know, desperately certainly. Their husbands find it easy to divorce them and deprive them of seeing their children at all. Um, we pray for someone we'll call Sarah. Her husband found out she was a Christian. He sent her away alone. She couldn't see her children, but she was reunited with the family eventually. And then the authorities stepped in. They charged her. She was sentenced to five years in prison, but she escaped the country. She can't go back. She now lives, she, <clears throat> she escaped to Turkey, and there she met someone who helped her with training, another one of the Open Doors partners. She trained to help and strengthen women, and helping them, she felt God calling her that she felt God's calling for that mission in her life. So glimpses of different sorts of persecution. If you choose another country, choose it. But a couple of minutes to pray, either on your own, or if you want to, with someone else, round and about. Choose a situation. We gave stories because it hangs something to hang on. But those situations, we give two minutes for you to pray, um, and then you can find out more at home or speak to us later. Let's pray. Our loving Father and our God, we come to you today. We come to you every day because you are our Father. You care for us. We are your children. And Lord, we've just heard about those who are your children in other places. Your children, just as we are. So our family, our family in your name. And so, Lord, as we lift these various situations, Lord, the tips of the icebergs, Lord, we can't hold the whole world, we can't comprehend, but little by little, one person at a time, we can hold them to you, one situation and another, knowing that others are lifting others to you, Lord, because we depend on you. We lift each other, we lift one another in prayer to you because you work. Lord, we ask that you will hear our prayer as we pray for your people around the world. We pray for our family. Help us to remember those in our family around the world, Lord, day by day. Help us not just to hear and forget, but help us, Lord, to pray. Help us, Lord, to lift them to you. And Lord, we ask that you will teach us and that you will lead us that in our daily lives we too will stand for you, that we will not draw back, that we will uphold your name high in our lives, the places you have put us. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. A few weeks ago, Andrea gave the church an update on the amazing ministry the Family Works is involved with. Here she is to say some more. 
Andrea, what is it about the good news of Jesus that led us to set up the Family Works? I can't believe I've got to follow all of that. Um, thank you, Joy, for inviting me to do this. This is not my favourite thing, standing here, and it's always a bit of a risk, because I've either got um, a menopausal brain, so I can't remember words, or I turn into some kind of uh, comedian and start trying to tell jokes, which I'm really rubbish at. So I've made notes so that I'm not studying for three hours and that it, hopefully it makes sense. So, um, if you don't know about the Family Works, we are um, an early intervention family support project out of St. John's. And uh, we are a trauma-informed project. And what we do is we walk alongside families that um, might be struggling for any kind of reason. Because life is tough, especially at the minute, cost of living and everything else. So that's what we do. Um, we are, at the moment, um, walking with, or have walked with, over 20 families, um, which is almost 30 adults and almost 40 children and young people. So, woohoo, that's really good. So, oh, I'll repeat that question again. It's not an easy question. What is it about the good news of Jesus that led us to start the Family Works? Um, when I thought about this, I thought about uh, personal reflections to start with and, and Joy and I's conversation right at the very beginning. And I think in our lives as Christians and in our previous iterations of self, in other words, previous jobs as a head teacher, um, we were seeing families um, in real need. We were seeing families that uh, were hurting and that seemingly had no hope. And um, as a Christian, I'm there thinking, I, I know what they need. They need Jesus. How do I tell them that? Because I'm really not very good at evangelizing. Um, I'm a bit of a scaredy cat when it comes to that. So can we have that, the first slide, the Great Commission? <laughs> Please. Here we go. So this is what Jesus asked his disciples and us to do. Well, this is what he said. He said, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <sighs> wow. <laughs> um, how do you do that in everyday life? Uh, and for me, when I look at that, it's this, instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. Thank the Lord for that. Um, but for me, I, I read that and I think, I've got more questions. How do I, how do we as the Family Works do that when people are struggling and they don't want to hear? Because they've got all on thinking about how to feed family how to pay rent, how do, we, how do we show them who Jesus is, the good news of Jesus? Um, and then, you know, there was a part of me that thought, hang on a minute, look, if I look at self again, how much time do I spend with other Christians? How do I challenge myself? How much time is spent with those that don't follow Jesus yet? Um, and, as that scaredy cat, what about those people that are a little bit hostile? How do we spread that good news? So then, 
you know, after all this reflection and all these conversations and where we are right now, Family Works was born and it's absolutely um, built on a piece of scripture which is Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. Can we have that please? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to whom to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve. I'm not going to go through all of it because I could be here for ages. Um, so, the Family Works is built on that piece of scripture, and we're made up of human beings just like everybody here. So, what we wanted to do as Christians was to take that piece of scripture and to walk alongside families on a daily basis, um, spreading the news of Jesus. And the way that we do that is we love people, we listen to people we we don't judge or condemn sometimes that love is tough love but we don't judge or condemn we teach we model we encourage we pray all the time every minute we pray and we recognized we recognize with in ourselves um that we are just like the families that we are walking alongside. So there's a lot of humility in what we do. And first and foremost, it's got to be God's plan. He is at the center of everything that we do. It's not our plan. We can't do this in our strength. So basically, we walk in Christ's footsteps alongside others. Um, the impact of this, you know, spreading this good news this way, families ask us why we do what we do then we get a chance to talk about Jesus. What's different about us? That's what we get asked. What's different about you? Then we get a chance to tell them about Jesus. Some ask for prayer directly. Some begin to ask more questions. And I think the family works is all about that. The good news is just keep it simple. Think about what Jesus would do. And basically, we try to be, try to be Jesus with skin on. I think that's it. That's almost all we have this month. I hope you enjoy the sunshine and we'll see you soon. But to see us out, here are a couple of songs led by Phil and a few of the young people um, the other Sunday. Phil did a wonderful job supporting and guiding the teenagers and the young people were fantastic. We were so blessed by their service and gifts and hopefully these songs give you uh, some help in worshipping God. I'll remember and I'll remember you 
for your glory I will tell the story of the 